There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 320. And today on the show, we are here for another Rut Fresh radio episode in which we're getting you intel from across the country on the latest deer activity, conditions that are impacting deer, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to another episode of the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And we've got another one of our weekly Rut Fresh Radio episodes with myself and Spencer Newharth in which we are talking about and hearing from a variety of hunters on the progress of the whitetail rut, on current deer activity, on how current conditions are impacting deer activity, and then what the heck we can be doing as hunters to try to fill a tag over the next seven days. That is what we're doing here today. Spencer is the man, the myth, the legend who's chatting with all these hunters and getting that intel. Uh, what do we got this week, Spencer? Do we have something to look forward to? Yeah, um, it, it's exciting, but it's also kind of sad because I think these next couple episodes are going to be like the end of sort of the rut talk in our rut fresh radio series. We're now at the end of November. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. And, you know, once you get beyond that, like those first five to 10 days of November, you still get that second burst of like secondary ruts. And then that's kind of it. If you are a deer hunter, um, and Mark, you actually had some success last year hunting that secondary rut, right? Yeah, and it's something that you know I'd heard about a lot over the previous years. I'd heard people talk about the fact that, yes, you can get this quote-unquote second rut, um, but I'd never seen it. Uh, basically, the gist of what happens is that typically they'll be in a, in a healthy deer population where you have fawns that are healthy, well-fed, and, and on track with the maturity. You'll get some fawns that reach sexual maturity by about one month after the rest of the deer come into heat. So if let's say the peak of rutting activity uh, for a lot of folks across the Midwest is, you know, you're seeing that activity in early November, give or take. Well, then about a month later, you might get some of these healthy fawns, female fawns coming into estrus early December. 
And that doesn't happen a ton. It doesn't happen nearly as consistently as you'll see, obviously, in November. But it is something that people do see on occasion and that if you are keeping an eye out for it, you can take advantage of it. So that's what happened for me last year. I wasn't counting on anything like this to happen, but I was hunting that big buck, Frank. You probably remember that 10-point I was hunting in Michigan. And I was hoping he'd made it through gun season, so I was frequently glassing this property from this hillside. I've got this great view of things that I'm always using. And I went out there one morning and was able to get an eye on this buck on the morning of, I think it was December 6th or December 7th, somewhere right in that ballpark. I saw him out there locked on a doe. And I saw other bucks circling around him, and they were trying to come in. He was he was running them off, and you could just see he even he even sparred with another buck for a little bit. You could just tell there was a hot doe. Like it, it looked like it was November fifth, but it was December sixth or seventh or whatever. Um, so I saw that activity happening. I said, okay, I know what's going on. We just had a doe coming into heat. Second rut kind of situation is going on. I'm going to play this exactly as if it was November 7th. So I watched that buck follow that doe, watched the exact route he took, watched to see which bedding area they went into, and then I went and that afternoon made a move to get right back in between that route I saw them take because you know there's no guarantees, but lots of times when you've got a buck locked on a doe, that doe is going to, A, they're going to stay in a relatively small area, and B, they're going to follow usually a similar circuit. Um, that doe is going to go from the little bedding area to a little food source to a little bedding area. And that buck's going to want to keep her close and keep her from going to a lot of places. So I thought, Hey, there's about as good a chance as any that they're going to come back out to this little green field. And I got set up in a blind. I had it right along that route and, and, and kind of swung for the fences. It was a wind direction that I would normally never hunt this spot, but I kind of knew this is a special opportunity. Got to, got to try and I did it, and it worked out. That doe came out right towards last light, and and the big boy was right behind her, and, and got a crack at her. So that was a that was a great example of why it pays to still be out there and, and paying attention here in early December. Um, I'm not I'm not saying exactly that's going to happen, but I certainly will continue to keep an eye out for that kind of thing in the future. And, and if I see it again, you could, you better believe I'm going to get after it. So yeah, second rut can certainly keep things interesting this time of year right and you sort of touch on it at the beginning but this is like one of those things in deer hunting that is often talked about more than it is experienced or seen um because it yeah. certainly does exist um but there's just less people in the woods at this time and it's probably like a more localized thing um with that said though absolutely i think if there is a year to experience a secondary rut that this is going to be it. Um, and I say that this is completely anecdotal, but thinking back to when peak rutting would be taking place in most of the Midwest, like two weeks ago, um, a lot of the areas still had a ton of standing corn. And if you're a bow hunter, you know, you, you know, this, that, that standing corn can like really put a damper on your sightings in early and mid November, because those deer hang out in the standing corny. You just don't know about it. And I think that, would potentially leave some does get unbred. Um, I, I think another part of the standing corn thing is that in a lot of states it's still up right now, and that probably saved some bucks during gun season as well. So you're coming into early December with more does that were unbred during the regular rut because of standing corn. 
and you're coming into early December with more bucks that weren't killed by hunters because of standing corn. And that's completely anecdotal, but that's something that would make me optimistic if I was chilling, trying to kill a buck in these next two weeks. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that standing corn for a lot of people probably will have an impact. I'm, I'm certainly hoping that one that you mentioned on the, uh, in regards to just more bucks making it through, I think I think that's the case in a lot of places. So, the corn on one of my Michigan farms just came down last week. I think I guess we we talked about that last week on Rut Fresh Radio. Um, as we were recording it, I think the night before the corn had started to come down, and then over the next day and a half, it, it came all the way down. Um, so I know a few bucks that I was after, including the the one buck I'm really after. He made it through the opening weekend, at least of gun season, maybe in part because that corn was up all around. Um, so yeah, I think, I think things are lining up for a good December, especially if you have good food in your area. Now, this is an interesting counterpoint to what you're saying. As we know, as you get into December in the late season, food is so, so important to focusing where deer are because food becomes increasingly more rare of a commodity, right? As crops have gone out, natural vegetation is losing some of its uh, quality and nutrition. So if you have a food plot, if you have a cornfield or a soybean field or whatever it might be, oftentimes that's going to be where deer are at. But this year, a lot of farmers didn't get crops in. There was a lot more fallow fields this year than I've ever seen before, at least in my area and, and hearing from other folks across the country. Um, so I'm, I'm also thinking there's going to be some people, it's going to be feast or famine, I guess. If you've got the food, it's probably going to be better than ever because there's going to be less food elsewhere. So they're going to be focused on yours. If you don't have the food because of, you know, the wet spring and farmers not being able to get stuff in, you might suffer. Um, so it's going to be interesting to hear, hear what kind of reports we get over the next month because of that. Yeah, and besides our reports this week, you're going to hear from Kevin Vistason in Michigan from the Deer Hunter podcast. And then from Wild Care Deer Attracted in Tennessee, we talked to Josh Smith and then Tim Beeble in Vermont from the Four Pointer. And then we talked to Bryce Lamley in Nebraska. Question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any more whitetail hunts coming up on your schedule? I've got one last hunt coming up here, uh, whitetail buck hunt. I have like a B-tag in Montana, which will allow me to shoot an antlerless whitetail, but I don't really count that. Um, but next week in December, I'm going to be heading to Nebraska, hunting some public land, and I'll be in an area where there is a mixture of mule deer and whitetail, and the tag is good for both, and it is an opportunistic freezer-filling hunt. So it will be a whitetail hunt slash mule deer hunt. Um, and it'll be in some cool country. Yeah. I'm jealous. I, I, I know we talked in the past. I was hoping to go on that trip and it didn't end up working out my schedule. So I will be watching from afar and, uh, rooting you on. So bring back a good story for us next week. Would you? I'll do that. All right. We'll talk to you next week, Mark. Thanks, Spencer. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. 
Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you in part by O'Reilly Auto Parts, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road and also keeping you happy. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. I use the O'Reilly by me. It's right in downtown where I live. And the team there is super knowledgeable. When you got questions, they're happy to help you out. It's a great store to go into. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts, they can test your battery for free in or out of your car. And don't ignore your check engine light. Ask for O'Reilly Veriscan today, a free diagnostic service exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Need your windshield wipers replaced? Brake light fixed? Quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop to get some help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in the store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'Reilly Auto, O-R-E-I-L-L-Y, O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. All right, and joining us on the line first is Kevin Vistason in Michigan from the Deer Hunter podcast. Now, Kevin, in Michigan, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 to 10, I'm going to go right down the middle and say 5, but I'm also going to add to that that even though uh, I'm saying 5, the chances for killing a, a good deer, specifically an older age class buck, I would say, are about as high as they would be all year. I'm going to go 9 or 10. I love the late part of November into early December. Expand on that a little bit for me. Why do you prefer this time of year to find a mature buck? Uh, I think part of it, pressure dictates most things that whitetails do here in the state of Michigan. Our gun opener being on November 15th, uh, these deer that have made it through a couple gun seasons figure out real quick that what's going on and they get pinned down real hard. And from the trail cameras that I've ran over the course of the last five, six years, I just see this window around Thanksgiving, big deer on their feet in daylight. And I, I think it has to do with the fact that they recognize People go hard the first couple of days of gun season, maybe the first week, and uh, a lot of people are have either gotten their deer and are out of the woods or really have just lost motivation to uh, go out deer hunting in the woods. Gets emptied out pretty quickly, and I think the deer recognize that, and uh, I think there's still good opportunity for deer to do breeding through the later part of November, and I, I just absolutely love this time of year. So what is your strategy then for, say, this Thanksgiving weekend when you're trying to find one of these mature bucks on their feet? It's time in the stand. It's it's It really, that's what it comes down to. Uh, there's no real magic recipe. It's very um, spontaneous from what I said. A lot of this comes from, like I said, um, you know, hard data from running cameras and seeing deer on their feet, big deer in daylight. And there's really no rhyme or reason or way to predict it if it's going to be tuesday wednesday or thursday at what time of the day so my uh my strategy is just seat time and uh if the weather provides and it doesn't chase you out of the woods 
it's a beautiful time to be sitting sitting out there. And uh, I think that's what it really comes down to is just putting the hours in at this point. And a lot of people really, uh, myself included, struggle after the opener gun season to find the ambition to do that, I think. This coming weekend then, are you going to be hunting traditional rut setups like pinch points at funnels, or do you have a different strategy for late November? Uh, tight cover, he- heavy stem count. You know, uh, I'm avoiding anything open, open fields, open timber. The deer have definitely been concentrated into secure bedding. That's the one other great thing about this time of year is that uh, bigger deer, specifically that have made it through a couple gun seasons, know the safe places to go. They know places that people haven't been hunting over the course of the last six weeks. And if, if you can scout and, and find those places, or if you know those places from years past, those deer are pinched into those places. And it, it makes it relatively easy to find a congregation of deer. And that's where they will be. I will be hunting heavy cover, bedding, um, food sources, uh, acorns are still, there's, I, I can't believe how many acorns there were on the ground this year and still are. I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of acorns that are going to return to soil uh, here over the course of the winter and spring. I don't think the deer are going to be able to even eat them over the course of the winter. There's so many of them still on the ground. Besides acorns, are there any other food sources that hunters should be looking for in late November? Big woods, natural browse, cuts. Uh, I like those cuts that are, you know, two to three years old. The cuts that are a year old, the deer definitely, um, they prefer those. So they get hit the heaviest through the early part of the fall. Uh, the cuts that are two to three years old, uh, the, the new growth isn't as, doesn't have as much dense nutrition and the deer will leave those for last. So if you can find a cut that was done, you know, two, three, even four years ago, there's still going to be good food for them there. And, uh, as far as agricultural goes, uh, obviously corn stubble that's left on the ground. Uh, I've really never had any success hunting over beans, uh, dry beans here in the state of Michigan. They're gold when they're green, but, uh, brown beans here in the state, uh, I think that most deer know it's a recipe for disaster for them to step out in those during daylight. So I avoid that. When you get this little burst in movement around Thanksgiving, do you also notice some fresh sign being made? Uh, I'll say that uh, for whatever reason, uh, rubs, definitely rubs in the bedding areas stay hot and uh, maybe even accelerate a little bit. And I think part of that might be uh, these deer that are pushed into these areas are a little frustrated that they don't feel safe traveling outside of them. And they lay a lot of sign down. Like I said, these deer get pushed into uh, safe areas and they get congregated into tight spaces. And it could be just that these bucks are in close proximity to each other. But yeah, I, uh, I see scrapes pretty much get abandoned, but uh, a ton of rubs. And, and that is really, really what I'm focusing on this time of year. If I can find good dense cover with some fresh heavy rubs is a good indicator to me that there is uh you know bucks that are using actively using that cover going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in michigan i think it's probably going to stay right around the five or the six as far as activity goes daylight activity Uh, these deer will still be doing a lot of um you know, a lot of their breeding and they're running around under the cover of darkness. 
but I, uh, like I said, I, I feel that there's still a very good percentage of chance that if you're willing to put the time in the seat that uh, this time of year, even more so than, you know, peak rut around the middle of November is your best chance to capitalize on, on putting a good deer down. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I struggle to answer that. Uh, the, the actual physical deer activity that you're going to see is going to be relatively low. Like I said, maybe a five or a six, but the chances of seeing a good deer are about as high as they get a nine or a 10. All right, Kevin, awesome info. Good luck this weekend. And thanks for joining me. Thanks Spencer. All right. And joining us on the line next is Josh Smith in Tennessee from wild current deer jacket. Now, Josh, in Tennessee, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I think we're on a 7 out of 10. Uh, we are just kind of in getting warming up for peak rut. Mature bucks are starting to fall. Uh, some some of my family members have been real successful uh, over this past weekend. Um, I think that activity would be a little higher but we've had a little bit of unseasonably warm temperatures we've been in the low 60s uh which is i think putting a little bit of a damper on things but rut activities is picking up pretty good so uh um, i'm looking forward to spending some more time in the woods this week so would you normally expect to be seeing some post-rut activity right now no i think we're on par as far as our usual schedule we we get pretty hot right before thanksgiving um, and you know, Thanksgiving is a little late this year. So, uh, I think we're right, right on schedule or pretty darn close to it. I think that it's just a little warm and, and, you know, I, whether or not there's any truth to it, I prefer to be out when it's cold. I think activity is a little better when it's cold and deer are up and moving a little better. Tennessee's gun opener happened about a week ago. Now, what is your strategy when you're playing off of that gun pressure going into this weekend? Um, honestly, I, I like to do a little still hunting. I think, uh, you know, when pressure's high, people are kicking stuff up and I don't like to sit still, uh, too awful much. I like to be on the move a little bit, uh, stick to ridges, um, and kind of just cruise those ridges where I expect traffic to be, uh, like saddles anywhere. Excuse me. Anywhere I can find a good saddle on the map. Uh, I'm looking for that uh, and trying to see if, if I'm, if I can be successful hunting that as a funnel. Are there any food sources this time of year that you key in on in Tennessee? Yeah, we still we had a pretty good mass crop this year, so still quite a bit of acorns on the ground. So that that's kind of an unchanging thing for me. Uh, not a lot of ag where I'm hunting here, so uh, acorns are key, and I'm and I'm still uh, paying attention to those pretty well. As a scent company, I assume that you have a strategy for using urine in late November. What's your strategy this time of year? Um, well, I'm obviously using doe estrus and I like to use our rut and buck as well. Um, with this rut activity, we're seeing a little bit of scrape action still, uh, and quite a bit of rubbing going on right now too. Um, and I like to set up my mock scrapes, um, and visit those when I'm doing my still hunt. Um, and I'll use a doe estrus. I use it as a drag as well when I'm stand hunting. Um, but more just as a scrape tool when I'm still hunting. You said you're seeing some fresh sign. Does that mean that most of your cameras are still on scrapes? Uh, yeah, they are. Um, we like to run them and we check them frequently. And when activity starts to taper a little bit, we'll move into traffic areas instead of scrapes. But right now they're sticking tight to scrapes. Do you follow the moon phases at all this time of year? I do. I do. Um, you know, tonight actually 
we've got a new moon. So, uh, I'm, I'm thinking activity is going to be good. You know, I, I've always hunted the moon just kind of as a growing up that way. Um, it's part of what we do. You said that you've been seeing a lot more mature buck movement lately, but does that mean you're seeing some midday movement as well? Yeah. Uh, quite a bit of midday movement. Um, some of the nicer bucks that I've seen being taken lately have been in the middle of the day. You know, they're up cruising for does or chasing does. Time isn't really a factor when it comes to that. You know, when the rut's starting to peak, it's best to be out there as as long as you can. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Tennessee? I think it's probably going to stick to seven or eight. I think that the rut will probably slow down a little bit, but I think uh, we have a cold front coming in. Uh, temperatures are going to drop from 60s to 40s, so I'm looking forward to that, and I think uh, activity will stay steady. Um, we'll have quite a bit of movement, and I'm looking forward to being in the woods. All right, Josh, I like your optimism. Good luck this weekend, and thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, Spencer. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Tim Beeble in Vermont from the Four Pointer. Now, Tim, in Vermont, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm going to give it a 6 to a 7 right now. I think uh, I've definitely seen some chasing. Bucks are bucks are with does or, or looking for them. Um, they're, they're past the time of year when they're really scraping hard and, and wandering around, but right now I'm pretty sure they're with does. Peak breeding is in Vermont is always in uh you know, right around the 24th. So there, that is the phase that we're in right now. Are there any specific food sources that hunters should be focused on right now? Yeah, my answer to that is hunters need to know what food source is in there. I've been sitting near oaks. I've seen, I was out yesterday morning uh, after a fresh snowfall and the deer were already into the oaks, digging under the trees. So uh, in the leaves for the oaks, the acorns. So me, it's oaks. That's where it is. That's where they're feeding right now. So that's where I'm spending most of my time. And that's also a lot of the oaks where I'm at are also in travel corridors where I would expect to see deer wandering through throughout the day. Um, so that's kind of a win-win. If you can find a travel corridor with a food source, um, that's where I, that's where I'd be spending my time. You mentioned that this is historically right around the date of peak rut. What is your strategy then during peak rut and then that lockdown period? Well, around here, I mean, you know, in probably a lot of areas that I think the biggest factor into being a successful hunter is is being able to put in you know, a good amount of time. Um, you know, a lot of areas around Vermont are very sparse uh, with their deer numbers. Other areas are pretty populated, but where I'm at a lot of time, it's pretty sparse. So, I've just got to put in time, um, you know, and a lot of hunters do. It, it's a perseverance game. You just got to be there. So, again, I'm focused on the, the travel corridors where there are some food sources where I know that those are going to be coming through. And in the past, you know, the times that I've been successful, there's been a buck on the heels of a doe. And uh, so that's that's my suggestion right there. Gun openers in the Northeast have been open for a little while now. What is your strategy when you're trying to plan for some of that gun hunting pressure? Yeah, um, gun hunting pressure is pretty intense the first you know week or two, especially on the first weekends. Um, then midweek it pretty much dies down, and then we'll have a little bit more intense pressure here around Thanksgiving, and then Vermont's gonna the gun season ends actually right after Thanksgiving. So 
Um, anytime there's pressure in the area, if I'm hunting a smaller woodlot and I know there's pressure, I just try to get into position ahead of the guy that's coming in later. And I try to stay there as long as I can, because those guys are going to, they're going to get antsy around eight thirty, nine o'clock and go for a walk. And if you can put yourself in a position where, again, a, a place where, you know, deer are going to travel or they're going to try to escape, uh, to get away from pressure, it's a perfect spot to set up an ambush a deer that's trying to get away. When we get a fresh snow this time of year and like that first week of December, does that change anything for you in New Hampshire and Vermont? Uh, no, other than, you know, if I have a chance, I'm going to, I'm going to make a quick loop, you know, a hike and just see if, if where the deer are spending their time has changed or relocated a little bit. A lot of areas, I mean, they're thick. So, you know, a hundred yards can make all the difference. Uh, and, uh, and they'll bounce around from, from oaks to oaks. So you, if there's a fresh snowfall, I usually take a, you know, a half hour or something and, and do a quick loop and just see you know, where the fresh sign is and, and relocate to those areas if I need to. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Vermont? I think it's going to lower down a little bit. I'm going to go down to 4 or 5. Um, it's still a good chance. Like I said, peak breeding, we're just barely past it. So uh, there's still going to be some bucks out there looking for, for some does. Um, so it's not like it's just going to shut right off, but we are going to tail down here. And then when we get into Vermont does have, you know, a late muzzleloader season that starts in uh, two weeks from now, more or less. Um, I've had good luck in that early season. I mean, that late season with muzzleloaders where the buck activity has picked up, they've gotten, uh, more responsive to calling again. Um, and, uh, I've even seen them you know, out cruising, looking for those late about that time. It just, it just starts to come back around. You see a little bit of that, what you would see in like late October, early November. It, it does come back around again in early December, but just not quite as intense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's going to die down here, but it's going to pick back up slightly before it all comes to an end eventually. All right, Tim, well, good luck with what's left of your fall. Thanks for joining me. All right. Yeah. Thanks Spencer. Appreciate it. All right, and joining us on the line next in Nebraska is Bryce Lamley. Now, Bryce, in Nebraska, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, for most of the guys I talk to and, and my own personal experiences, it's been about a 6 for the last week, week and a half or so. So what phase of the rut would you say that most of Nebraska is in right now? Uh, I would say that we're in um, lockdown, and you know that term gets overused a lot, I think, when people aren't seeing deer, but I really... I haven't seen many bucks at all trolling and just walk through the timber looking for other does. Those seem also non-existent as well or else very skittish. It just seems to me like um, the bucks are off in other locales or, and a little bit of feast or salmon, which always goes along with this time of year. And I think um, at least for me and most of my buddies this year, it's been kind of a famine the last week or two. So when you say that we're in lockdown, what is your strategy then to get a buck during lockdown? Well, boy, I had to miss out on a day like that just a couple of days ago. We had we had a rain in the evening, and the next day it was windy. And boy, that makes it perfect, in my opinion, to try something off the wall. And that might be to go to some cover that you might normally think is better pheasant cover, perhaps. Um, weedy areas that are way away from the main areas that the deer bed in, perhaps. I hunt along the Platte River uh, Valley, and, you know, so most of my hunting is either in the bluff or right on the river bottom in, in the heavier timber. 
and the, that's where the deer usually bed. But I do think paying the rut that those bucks will try to pin down those does um, far away from the normal areas where they um, run into other deer, so they have less competition. And, and those places are really off the wall um, locations that um, don't jump out at you right away. And I'm still learning. I'm kind of on some, a couple of new properties now that I've been spending time because I know there's some bucks there. And I'm still trying to learn where those spots are. They're hard to find. I think they also sometimes mean maybe giving up a hunt or two to try to glass from long range to find out where what they're doing and where they're doing it. As we get into post-rut here around Thanksgiving, what is going to be your strategy then? It just seems to me that, that a lot of the deer, especially the does, are going to return more to their feeding patterns. Um, the bucks are still looking for them. And I, honestly, in the past several years, I've had as good a luck in late November and really early December as I do late October and early November. And so a lot of times what I'll, I'll try to do is get in kind of that area between the building and the feeding like you normally would, but also using the wind, keeping the wind in mind where it seems like maybe on the north edge of a timber with a south wind, those bucks might cruise that north edge trying to pick up does that are, that are heading out to feed. And so I kind of return to that that strategy a little bit. Um, I personally like that time of year better than the middle of November. Maybe that's just my own preferences or maybe it's my own shortcomings about middle of November. But guys shouldn't give it up just yet. I think that some of the best stuff is still to come. A lot of the country is getting some snow here over these next couple of days. As somebody who hunts from the ground a lot, how does that change things for you? Well, for me, I think it actually opens up a couple of new options. One, um, hunting from the ground with snow camouflage for some, or like Optifade 2 from is a great snow camo as well. A deer look right through that a lot of times. And so I do think it gives you opportunities to hunt places where you normally haven't been able to hunt, perhaps. And that also includes the second part of that is, is skinny trees on cloudy days. Um, you can get by with those same camouflage I just mentioned in trees couldn't get by with um, on other days, especially when there wasn't snow cover. And so I do think it maybe gives you some options uh, in areas that you have overlooked before or just said you couldn't do it. You mentioned before that during post-rut you'd look for does returning to food sources. What are those food sources that you're focused on this time of year? In Nebraska where I hunt, it's mostly corn and beans. It does seem like beans, you know, they kind of go out of favor for a while. It seems like this time of year, beans kind of come back into favor. Now, around here, most of the beans are harvested and so forth, but uh, if anybody's got standing beans, I think that's your number one magnet. And standing corn, of course, is a second because you've got the uh, the extra cover it also provides, I think. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Nebraska? Well, I'm kind of optimistic because it seems like I always see a bump in that type of activity, and that includes reopening some scrapes and stuff like that. And so I'm going to say an 8. Um, for the next couple of weeks. All right, Bryce, well, good luck. Thanks for joining me. Yep, you appreciate it. Thank you, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Kevin, Josh, Tim, and Bryce for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. I hope everybody has a chance to get out here and hunt over the holidays. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. 
outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.